0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
1: Hey, Nancy listeners. Guess who it is?
2: Kathy Lee and Hoda Kotb. Just kidding. It's Tobin and Kathy (laughs) Anyway.
1: Anyways. So a couple weeks ago, we had an episode about retirement, and it featured one of our favorite coworkers, David Gable.
2: That wasn't the first time that David's been on the show. He talked to us back in 2017, and it is still one of our favorite episodes we've ever done. So this week, we're going to share that episode again. Enjoy. Kathy.
1: Yes, Tobin. Take
2: my hands. Okay. We are best friends. Obviously. (laughs) Which is hilarious because you told me a story the other day that I'm obsessed with about, let's call him Coworker Kevin.
1: Coworker Kevin. I was telling Coworker Kevin about how after the season is over, you and I, Tobin, are going on vacation together. I'm so excited. (laughs) And his response to me was... Oh, so, like, you guys are really friends. How dare you, co-worker Kevin? God, Kevin! This is real. This is a real BFF thing we have going.
2: We are best friends forever.
1: I am no actor. This would not work.
2: <laughs> okay, to be fair to co-worker Kevin, mm-hmm. it does get at this thing, which is not all co-workers are best friends. I guess. <laughs> and, in fact, like, I don't know a ton about the people that I work with, to be totally honest. Yeah, that's true. Well, and one of the things that happened, and we've talked about this before, Kathy, is that like mm. when we got the show, that like coworker wall started coming down. Yes. Like people started, you know, pulling us to the side and, and sharing stories or sending messages.
1: Uh-huh. Everybody's got a story they want to share, huh?
2: They do. And especially the person that we're here to talk about today. Mm-hmm. David Gable.
1: Mr. David Gable. One
2: of my favorite people who works here.
1: Yes, he does admin work for two of the biggest shows here, Radiolab and The Takeaway.
2: He also brings joy and baked goods wherever he goes. Always.
1: He's so nice.
2: He is, and David's one of those people who started opening up and and sharing these stories. You know, he's 59, he moved to New York in the 80s, and he's had all these incredible experiences. And the other day, he shared something that... I did not know about him, and it came with a request for for me to help him out. And you did. Of course. And that's where today's episode came from.
1: From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy.
2: With your hosts Tobin Lowe and Kathy Tu.
0: We're finally doing it, Tobin.
2: We're, it's it's all happening. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about it forever, and it's I know, finally happening. I
0: know. Can I have you introduce yourself? Okay, sure. I'm David Gable. I work here at WNYC. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how we know each other.
2: And that's how we know each other. I know. Which is, uh, it was crazy to me because when I was getting ready for this conversation, I was um, thinking about what questions I had for you, and one of them was so basic because even though we work together. I don't know, like, where are you from originally?
0: Milwaukee. You're from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee. Um, born and raised in Milwaukee. Bopped around to a couple different universities. Graduated from the University of Minnesota mm-hmm. in Minneapolis the time. Mary Tyler Moore was actually throwing her hat in the air. Uh-huh. They were filming it there at the time. It was great. And
2: what year was that that you moved to New York? 1980. 1980. Yeah, 1980. I moved
0: right into it. Stephen and I met, him, and he was in graduate school, and I was in undergrad, and he was a native New Yorker. Mm-hmm. So I had it was so easy, because he moved back like six months before me, and he's calling me trying to pick out an apartment in New York, and I don't know New York. And we ended up on 14th between 8th and 9th. It was a dump, but it was good, and we made it cute. I was so, I was so in love and out of Milwaukee and living in New York, and, and we were setting up house. Uh, I'd like, it was, it was time to be in love and be, time to be young. And yes, it was a sexual playground. You couldn't go home. You couldn't walk home without someone cruising you on the street or you giving into it and going into their apartment, or the alley, or the doorway, or—I mean, it sounds ridiculous—but we didn't have cell phones, so you're you're not grindering; you're you're cruising, and it was fun. It was really fun. We paid for it a little bit, but it was fun.
2: Was there? Was there a moment for you that you felt like you realized that it was, it was changing, that sort of carefree atmosphere?
0: Yeah, when you saw people starting to get sick and saw people on the streets in New York in the mid to late 80s looking gaunt, looking skeletal, with that lipodystrophy sunken look. And it was common. You saw it all the time, all the time that was what put it in the air because I was not an activist I was not as angry at Reagan as I am now I was not acting up I just wanted to keep dancing and drinking and all of that but I saw it around me and then people died
2: when did Stephen find out when did you find out about your status
0: Stephen died in 88 88 He died in January of 88, January 28th, 1988. And, um, you know, he was just getting sick. They didn't give it a, they used to call it ARC. And he would kind of go from doctor to doctor to get a diagnosis he liked better or that he could deal with. I look back at pictures now. The last Halloween party he threw and if he was dead then three months later, um, You can see it I mean now we know what it looks like Right You can see it
2: um, Wow well, it was fast then It was super fast He was pretty fast Yeah How old are you? I'm 29
0: Which is how old I was when he died
3: hmm.
0: How old I was when I tested positive See I told you I'd cry that's okay. I knew I would. I can't talk about this whole thing without it. Oh, my God.
2: You want to take a minute? No. You,
0: know, you give a nice box of Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's just part of it. Yeah. You know, it's just part of it. And I, I cry commercials, so it's, I'm, an, I'm an easy mark. <laughs> um, uh
2: So you had this idea.
0: I've been HIV positive 30 years. So I thought, I have no idea now what a young person testing positive or trying not to test positive goes through. All I know is the AIDS crisis. We're not in the middle of a crisis, but I thought, I don't know what they think. And maybe there are things they want me to know about them that I am unaware of. I mean, I was really curious. Like, did we go through all that and nobody knows anything? And how do we pass that on? Did we, did we go through a plague for nothing? Did we learn anything? So that's what made me think about it. Because I realized this is not an assumed thing and i realized with my straight friends here at the station knowledge of the aids crisis is not an assumed thing they know about it's just so part of my being i mean i fucking take pills every day you can't ever forget it so it's i have i don't i realize realized my reference point is way off it's my reference point
2: So, David, what we did is we reached out to this big New York organization. It's called Gay Men's Health Crisis.
0: Yeah, GMHC.
2: Right, GMHC. Um, And it's a group that's been doing HIV and AIDS work since the epidemic started.
0: It was founded because of the
2: crisis. And they've been doing HIV and AIDS work ever since. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so not only do they work with people from your generation, they actually work with people who have become positive since then. And so we told them what you wanted to do, and they found us someone for you to talk to. He's a guy named Dominic Crisden. He's 32, HIV positive. He used to work for them, actually. Okay. Um, And he's going to join you in the studio.
0: Terrific.
1: That's coming up after the break.
2: Kathy, I want to tell you about one of my actual favorite podcasts, Las Culturistas.
1: You talk about that show all the time.
2: Yeah, it's like hanging out with your smartest, funnest, most pop culture savvy friends. It's hosted by Bowen Yang. You might know him from SNL or Nora from Queens. And Matt Rogers of Game Show and our cartoon president.
1: Love them.
2: Each week, they interview an amazing guest about the pop culture that shaped their life. And they do this hilarious thing where you can rant about a piece of culture that frustrates you. Mine would be speaking only roles in musicals.
1: Okay. Episodes are released every Wednesday. Listen and subscribe to Lost Culturistas on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm a part of a community called the House and Ball community. Got
0: to tell the old scene. guy what that is.
3: So the uh, house that's and
0: me, ball the old. Scene. Tell Daddy what that I is.
3: Just, so I will you <clears> first I give be a little bit. Of, uh, okay. Do you remember Madonna? She came out with yeah, the yeah. video. Just a yeah. little, this stuff, yeah. So Vogan, right? Vogan comes from the House and Ball scene. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's um, Paris is burning. Paris is burning. Yes. So I, I know a little so bit. So it's like a it's like a family, right? Okay. It's, um, little, it's a subculture and it's family. We we create these houses which um, are families. And inside these houses, we do have parent roles, like we have the mother of the house, the father of the house, and things of that nature. Do you live uh, together? No, so we don't live together. So we call it the house because it it was taken from the designer houses, like the house of Gucci, the house of Cartier, things like that. And then how did that lead you to GMHC? So GMAC had a house called the House of Latex, and it was a prevention house. Um, And not only were they a part of the community as um, walking and competing in the categories such as Roe, Vogue, and Runaway, um, they also were like a prevention house. So they would be at the balls handing out condoms. I um, information and referrals. And, and you were like part that. of that house? Yes, I joined. I did a little community service with that house. Even though I wasn't officially a latex, because um, I was always in my own house. What's your house? Um, my house currently is the house of St. Laurent. I am the mother of the New York City chapter. Um, but be, at that time, it was the house of prodigy. So,
0: When did you first test positive?
3: Uh, 2000... First, what
0: a stupid way to say it. If you only do it once. Yeah. When did you test positive?
3: 2008. I felt really invincible at the time mm-hmm. because even though did, I did you think it was possible at all? Did you, no, you even I consider didn't. it? No, and it's so it, it's it, it was such um, an ignorant part for me. Yeah. Um, I was I was very ignorant because I was like I don't do drugs. I don't you know I don't I don't hang with those people. Quote. Um, I don't do risky behavior. I'm in a relationship. I'm faithful. My partner's faithful. So um, there's no way that I can be positive. Um, My partner couldn't, even if he was cheating, you know, he had a really fit body, he took care of himself, health conscious. He doesn't have nothing. I wouldn't know he had something. And at the same time, like I said, I was working at GMAC where all the information is there, right? Um, But I still felt invincible and I still was ignorant around the fact um, that anyone can get it.
0: What made you go get the test?
3: I got a call from someone just saying that I should get tested. Um, that my lover was cheating on me, being messy. The person was being messy, but at the same time, I was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went to go get tested, and um, it was a shock to me when I first went to go get tested because they, uh, you know, they said, you know, you are HIV positive. I'm like, what? Me? No.
0: Tell me about that day.
3: Um, wow. The day I found out that um, I was positive. Still is like um, still very touching, and painful. I was talking to my friend because my friend tested me. And I could tell something was a little different. Because when he came in, his like his whole aura was like, oh, Dominique, I got to tell you something. So I knew right then and there. And my um, stomach dropped. Um, I broke into a sweat. Um, and I just, like, thought my life was over. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know... I really didn't know how I was gonna like make it, right? Um, so, I don't know if I could tell anyone. Um, how will they look at me? How would my job look at me? Mm-hmm. Being, oh I yeah. Mean, yeah, right. Yeah. How, am I, how, how am I telling people to use safe sex? And
0: you're you're, in, you're, working, in and working, in you're working in prevention. You're working in prevention central. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Well, I lose my job is what I thought, right? Um, what happened? So I sat in that. I sat in that for a couple of maybe a month or two. Just this me knowing my status and just and keeping you, it to myself, not disclosing to anyone. You didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anyone. Um, I stopped talking to my lover um, at the time, and, you know, I just was like, it's, it's not going to work out. I didn't confront him or anything. I just sat in that space. Um, so you didn't even tell him? No. Wow. I didn't even tell wow. him. Wow. Um, and so um, the first time I ever disclosed it to someone was we were having a group at GMEC, and we was work, working at uh, we was working with um, at risk youth, mm-hmm. and there was this bold and brave young guy who was sharing his story with us. And he was surrounded by his peers, and they were all looked like, "Wow, okay." And then they they started making little comments like, "Well, we knew you were sick because you were very thin," and it kind of like hurt me, right? and, yeah. and I said, "Well." You can't never tell the way a person looks that they have HIV. And I don't know what came upon me, but I said, um, I have HIV. Do I look like I have HIV? And you can hear a pin drop. Even my boss looked at me, and and I was like, yeah, I just did it. I just did it. And that's when um, the first time I really felt free. I felt free.
0: Wow. So from that point on,
3: were you at ease? Were you— um, I was at ease for a while, um, being that I had the support, like I said, of GMAC. So that's where I worked at. That's where I spent a lot of my time at. Um, So everything was great at what I believed. What I thought I was great, right? Um, I thought everything was fine because I was there with people that supported me, that loved me, that understood, right? And didn't judge me. Um, but what if you go outside that circle? exactly. Yeah. What if so yeah. when I started to venture outside of the circle and started like having a life and going to the clubs, and even in the ballroom scene, mm-hmm. where I was so respected, right? Um, I'm, I was popular in the ballroom scene because I was a trophy winner. I was very popular, and um, I had a lot of people looking up to me as a leader. Mm-hmm. So when I did come out, that changed. and um, Came out about your status, it changed? It changed, yeah. It st- it changed, yeah. It, well, how? Um, stigma. And,
0: did and, people say something to you? Or did yeah, you just...
3: it's dirty little things. You, you hear them mumble. You hear them say stuff. I remember one time I was inside of a club, and I walked in a club. And for some reason, like, it was a really dark club, and a spotlight was shining on this one person. And I can read his lips, right? And he said he's cute. And his friend turned around and was like, child, he's dying. So that's, like, a term they say about when they're kind of defining somebody with HIV. He um, was like, child, he's dying. And I was just like, take a step back. And I was like, okay, time to go home. And, um... And I started experiencing experience that more and more, right? Um, I just started hearing things in my own community that didn't sit right with me, people being judgmental and so much hate, right? hmm um, I'm surprised at that because I thought if you're testing
0: positive now, you've got information and you've got medication and you have all these things I didn't have. Yeah. But Stig- I had that same kind of stigma.
3: Yeah, stigma still—let so me say something. Stigma I'm, I'm is unfur- still alive. I'm
0: sadly mm-hmm.
3: surprised to hear it. It's hurtful, right? And um, especially for people to when I say that looks like me, because we have to, fit, we have to go through like, what it is to be gay, right? Mm-hmm. We know how hard that is, right? So not only do I have to go through that, I have to go through what it means to be black and gay, all right? What it means to be black and gay and HIV positive. What it means to be black and gay and HIV positive as well as being feminine, Right, what it means to be black and gay and positive, feminine, and believing in God,
0: and that's a lot. And you come from a really religious family. Yeah.
3: The day you told
0: your family, how long after you tested positive? Oh,
3: what was that maybe? Did it take a little time, or did yeah, you do a it right away? It took a little time. It took a little time, and I—I I didn't disclose. I, I kind of got caught. My mother was snooping around and saw some. Um, paper. Okay. Um, and I, on the paper? You know, I w- it was f- from HRA Hasa. I was signing up for a program to help me with, like, my medicine Medicaid and all that. And she's like, what is this about? And I was like, oh, that's someone I work for. And mom being mom, she did her investigation. And she, that's when she found out. And, you know, it was like the Batman line. Like, one call she made, and they called, like, all my aunts, all my uncles, my grandmother, and everyone was like, hey, how long have you been positive? Why you didn't tell us? I'm glad she found that paper. Yeah, I'm glad she found it. <laughs> Would
0: you have got, gotten around to telling her? <laughs> um, I
3: don't know. Never say never. Um, yeah. Parents are different. Are parents are different. But I didn't want to be a disappointment. I'm the oldest child as okay. well. I have little brothers. And at that time, I was like, oh, this is, this is a disappointment, right? I come to New York to be this great person, to be the first person in my family to go to college and to be somebody and now look right? Because um. When you think about somebody being gay, the first thing they think is, oh, you're going to catch AIDS, All right? So now I have to go back and See say, that, hey, I'm gay. Then I got Yeah, AIDS. actually
0: go back to that. From my age and testing positive so long ago, yeah, um, we didn't know we were going to
3: get AIDS. So I know when I came out, it was like— Oh, yeah, and things have changed yeah, a you're huge— You're gay? You're going to be gay? You're going to, you're going to get sick, All right? That's, yeah. a, that's what it was. So See, now, that's,
0: the, that's the comment that made me go, huh? I and guess... then
3: nowadays, it's not even that. Now it's like, you're going to be gay? You don't have to get sick if you take this blue pill. Take PrEP. And you don't got to worry about ever getting sick. What, so, do you, what do you take? Um, so I take uh, Complera. Don't even know the name of that one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'll take Complera. It's a cocktail. Okay. And I can't pronounce, like, so many of the different ones. The pieces inside. of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I take Complera. Now, and I take it sounds so pretty. I'm taking Complera. It sounds pretty. It's, like a, it's pretty know, now. Right. Right? It's pretty knowing that <laughs> um one pill, that all I have to is do it is it really take, one pill? Yeah. That's all I have to do is take, a- and it's pretty. Oh, you because- dog? I have never taken only one pill. Well, I take one yeah. pill for that, so I have a lot of other things going on. Yeah. Um, I fell into a depression, stopped <laughs> taking my meds at one point, um, and I contracted um, meningitis, right? Um, I was drinking a lot, of facing like liver failure, so I, I take a lot of pills, but not for the HIV, but complications from the HIV, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh, me too. I mean, but, at one point, I was getting high cholesterol because of one of my mm, HIV drugs,
0: mm. so I had to take extra cholesterol medicine on top of it Yeah, because I couldn't stop the AIDS drug. It was mm-hmm. an old one. They don't even give that to any people anymore.
3: Yeah. But um, being life, like knowing that I have to take these pills and knowing that it's a part of surviving um, is what gets me through it, right? Do you feel bad about being HIV positive? No, 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 no. Okay. I don't feel bad at all. I don't even regret it. So people say, if you could go back and um, change everything that happened, what would you do different? And I'm being totally honest, and I don't know if I— talk, Be I totally honest, please. I wouldn't change anything, right? I made a conscious decision to be in love, right? Um, if I had to change—one thing I would say, I wish I was in a relationship with someone that was more honest— but they were like, people were saying, you know, would you have wrapped it up? And I know this is not a safe sex message, but no, I probably wouldn't use the condom because I was in a trusting relationship. We were getting tested, right? So I wouldn't change anything. And I just think this is my purpose in life. I think things happen. Um, that's all a part of my great destiny, which is God's plan. I don't
0: know if I would change anything either because yeah. it was wonderful to come to New York and be in love and yeah. and not have to think about HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And so it made sense when people were starting to discover like, oh, it's sex is transmitting it. Yeah. And then the Larry Kramers and the activists were saying, well, then stop having sex. Well, I was so happy to be able to. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. Oh, wow. And, and I'm longtime alcohol drug recovery. Mm. Would I undo that? Yeah. Getting sober was one of the best things that ever happened. But it, you have to go to a really messy place to get there. Yeah. But I wouldn't undo it. Yeah, I me mean, neither. And I mean. yeah, and, and the I people think people
3: you meet, right? And I've seen how much I loved myself. I've I, I seen how much love that is in the world because I'm positive. And I, I don't think if I was positive, I would never have experienced that. If and that's we, what If we
0: be. date, we still have to disclose. Yes. We have to find a way to do that. Yeah. I get it Wait. out the way right from the beginning. Yeah, what do you do?
3: I, I get it out the way. I say, hey, my name is Dominique. I got 10 inches and I'm HIV positive. <laughs> No, I don't say all of that. I was
0: going to say, are those? is that all true? No, no, I wish,
3: mm. I wish, I wish, I wish. But I wish it's a good mind. line. Yeah. No, so I always say hello. Got my attention. Yeah. yeah. But I, I Skulls, what I've learned is when I wait to disclose and I'm, I am I'm think I'm protecting myself, mm-hmm. but I'm really not because I I, I get feelings for this guy. And everyone's then at that point where they will be open to date someone that HIV is positive. And even if they do date someone that's HIV positive or open to it, they might not want to date someone that's HIV positive and open about their status.
0: When you hear someone my age talk about the '80s or what it was
3: like, or everybody was dying, what do you think? We're still dying. It's just that it's different. Um, I think a lot of I, I see a lot of my young black youth dying still to this day. Now it changed. The communities that that are dying um changed. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not talked about as often, and but it's still around. AIDS crisis is still around.
0: How many friends you, of yours have you lost? So many. I've
3: lost so many people. Um, I'm sorry. <sighs> yeah. People say, you know, it's not the 80s anymore. Um, people not dying from it. Yes, they are. They're still dying from it. They're still being affected from it. I know Black men are getting affected, especially the Black youth. Mm-hmm. We're getting affected. And um, we're still dying, right? Um, a lot of the thing it's, cu- it's not cured. No, it's not cured.
0: What do you think the future's gonna be?
3: Well, we make it, all right?
0: What are you making it?
3: What we make it. So we're gonna make it. We're gonna keep on educating. Mm-hmm. We're gonna keep on fighting. We're gonna pray. We're gonna educate. Keep loving. And hopefully, um, with all that, the spread of HIV and AIDS will, will be done. Anything you
0: want to know about me living in the 80s and being where I'm at now? What do you want to know from the old white guy? The old white (laughs) guy. Um,
3: How are you making it?
0: I just do the next right thing the next day. I take my pills. I show up at the doctor. And uh, I try to be useful. I it's very important to me what we're doing here because we can't have gone through all this for nothing we can't forget about it that's why I wondered like what do young people know what don't they know how do we pass this on how do we make this worthwhile and uh, I remember being told early on by my, one of my best friends because the guy I loved who died wanted to look the other way all the time. He wanted to go to a different doctor who'd say something different than what he wanted to hear. And I go back to what my original doctor said was just be informed. And my best, best friend said, if that means that the doctor wants to see you every other day, I want you to show up every other day. And not every day is a medical problem for me. I've been spared. I have not landed in the hospital. I did not lose every friend in the world. But I'm still living with this every day. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes... It doesn't become you, but it becomes a fact about you, and you need to just deal with it. So I show up. It's probably it. I just show up every day. And that'll make this worth it Somehow... My bunch of guys led to the next bunch of guys led to you, and you will lead to them. And hopefully we'll keep talking about it. Yeah. I hope so.
3: Um, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um don't it means stop. a lot. Yeah, don't stop doing what you're doing.
0: You neither. Though not. Keep stop. going on. Um, I mean, I love that you're talking to people.
3: Yeah, and I love that you're talking to people still, right? Thank you, my dear.
0: All right. Hug Ty.
2: was David Gable with Dominique Christen.
1: That's our show, let's do some credits.
2: This episode was produced by Matt Collette, edited by Jenny Lawton, and sound designed by Jeremy Bloom. Our executive producer is Paula Schumann.
1: Special thanks to Krishna Stone at Gay Men's Health Crisis. I'm Tobin Lowe. I'm Kathy Chu.
2: And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.